How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott. Sorry for your trouble there. And folks, how is your plant world doing? Would you like to talk about it? Simply call 314 314- or 36-7900, or 1-800-925-1120. This is Saturday morning, and we start off the good, the garden hotline with a good gardening stroll. Then afterwards, we can discuss what is impacting your trees, your perennials, your hillside, your shrubs, your lawn, ground covers, and anything planted in your outdoors. Or we can step inside and have a look at your tropical world. From routine care and maintenance, pet impacts, specifically talking about potting mixes or soils, pruning, insect troublemakers, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting, taking cuttings, and beyond. I'll share my knowledge and uh, help you to make a good decision. And the decision is going to be on your shoulders, of course. Please remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me over into your plant world. Another very important player is James. He's producing. He will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name when you call, and that's it. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides a Saturday morning get-together that we have, I can come into your plant world for an on-site consultation. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Where am I? Uh, where Menard and Carroll Street meet, and the sidewalk rises up from that point. There's some brick, brick pillars there. And what they declare is cardinal care. This is Tony LaRusso's field. This field recognizes contributions made by Tony LaRusso both on and off the baseball field. It was built for the enjoyment of all on May 27, 2015. That's when it was dedicated. The bleachers are covered. No, the bleachers aren't covered. The dugouts are covered, though. And it's a great setting near 12th and Park Recreational Building. There's all kinds of stuff going on. The bases are permanent. Hmm, how can that be? But it, they're there. And, of course, home plate is right there. The right field scoreboard is backdropped in the distance by the Perina Building to the north. There's yellow cushions that run on the top of all the fencing all the way around to protect the players from any kind of injury. 
And mature, there is a, quite a few mature trees on the outside of the field, of course, not on the inside. And they range from oaks to lindens to sweet gums. Why in the world <laughs> would you want to? Anyway, doesn't matter. The sky is really getting bright, so it is time for me to head towards KMOX. So, again, if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. That's, um, why don't we go ahead and just, Fred's here. Why don't we take him before we take a break? Hi, Fred. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um we uh, we received a, nor- a little Norfolk pine for for Christmas, and it's still in the pot. And I'm wondering what to do with it. Uh, I I want to keep it. I want to keep it growing. So what should I do with that? Basically, it needs a lot of light, bright sunlight. So you got to get it in a you know a situation where it's going to get as much light as it possibly can. And obviously, it's a tropical type plant. And uh, just leave it alone for a, a couple years. Don't put it in a larger pot or anything. Don't transplant it. Minimize. It doesn't really hold, need a whole lot of fertilizer. But uh, when the when the days start to get longer, let's say sometime around May, you can get some fertilizer uh, for house plants and use half the label rate and fertilize it once a month, May, June, July and final fertilizing in August, and that's pretty much it. And just uh, they can really take a dry circumstance, so don't be careful and don't overwater because rotting roots is the worst thing that can happen to uh, basically any kind of house, any plant, basically, but certainly house plants and anything like this, you know, which is a tree. Okay, so it's a, it's a house plant. It doesn't go outside. No, no, it doesn't go outside. It could go outside in the summertime, and be on your deck or your patio or something like that, but it can't be planted in the ground here. Okay. All right. My other question is about mold prevention. Moles are just everywhere this year. Um, I have an injected material that goes that would go into the tunnel. Is that a, a good way of preventing them? Well, it's, it is if they're still using that same tunnel. What they do is... Uh, you know, I'm surprised you're seeing a lot of activity because the ground is pretty cold still, and they tunnel towards the sound of earthworms moving. And if the ground is cold, the earthworms just don't move. So mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. So are you seeing piles of dirt up on the surface of your soils or on the surface of your lawn or your garden spaces? Yeah, a long tunnel in the front the, when it was warm. Not now, but about two weeks ago when it got warm. Uh, there was a large tunnel, but now it's now I don't see any. Yeah, so if the if I mean the injection or any pretty much any kind of control, whether it be traps or injection or anything else, is going to be somewhat limited on the fact that you got to kind of watch and see where the newest activity is, and you know put those deterrents or killers in those particular areas because. They will abandon tunnels because they're only going to use them so you know to a certain point. And if they're not hearing any kind of earthworm sounds underground, then they're not going to use that particular area, and they'll try a different spot when they start hearing again earthworms moving. Mm-hmm. Okay, so get a, an active tunnel and, and put that stuff in there. Right. As soon as so, watch closely, and as soon as you start to see you know the surface pop up. 
then, I mean, that's the time when you get out there and inject this. Okay. Thanks for your help, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. And this, what you probably have is a, it smells like to moles, earthworms, and they think it's an earthworm that's right there by chance. And then they eat it and it kills them. So just uh, good, good riddance. Let's put it that way. Thanks, Fred. And now let's head over to John Jard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? I have a question. We had some landscaping redone in our front yard in June, and the landscaper planted uh, five skip laurels. They're about four to five feet high. They looked really nice. I watered them, you know, as he said, and all summer they looked great. He told me that in the winter, you know, like in Thanksgiving, first of December, I should spray them with a product called Wiltproof which I purchased, but I discovered that one one large container of Wilproof only makes less than a gallon of, of material. Pretty expensive. So I, I returned that and got a product called Wilt Stop, which made a, a more of a solution I could spray on all the laurels. They looked good, and now they've turned brown. Right. Is that normal for a laurel? Well, all the broadleaf evergreens, which laurels are, took a real tough time when we had that early in the winter, yes. late fall cold spell. Yes. And I mean, they're, the broadleaf evergreens are just, they're brutal looking right now. They're really scary looking. And laurels in and of themselves are kind of marginally hardy in the first place. So okay. that, you know, that kind of adds to the, to the scenario of the circumstance. So there's not too much you can do. Uh, you're just going to have to wait. Probably the foliage that is brown is going to end up dropping, and uh, hopefully the buds are still functional, and they'll put out some new foliage. Okay. Yeah, they looked great until that cold snap, and then they just started turning brown. Right. And I didn't know if it was what I sprayed on them, or although I sprayed it on some boxwoods, they look great. So, you know, I guess I'll have to wait till the spring. Yep. There's nothing you can do uh, you know, premature unless you want to build a greenhouse over them and see what happens. No. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your info. Sure. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. information live and local from the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Phone lines are waiting for you, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Boy, the forecast for the next few days with that temperatures not even getting out of the 20s, there's going to be potentially some more damage not only to laurels or broadleaf evergreens, but some of the other plants, the deciduous-type plants, some of those buds are starting to open. The other day I was walking and I saw some magnolias the early magnolias, and uh, the buds weren't totally opening, but I could see that they were getting close to that. And with this temperature not even getting above freezing, in theory, in the next couple days, that's going to be rough on lots of different things. So there's not too much you can do about that. But uh, for an insect circumstance, this time of year, there's a product called Dormant Oil, and you can spray the Dormant Oil, but always read 
the label because it's going to tell you if it's this temperature, don't spray it. If it's this temperature, you can. So just make sure whatever you're applying any place that you are going to go ahead and read that label, even though some of it's not going to make much sense to you. There's going to be certain things that are going to trigger a sort of, a, I guess, a lightning bolt in your mind that, uh, oh, if I do this now, I may be causing more trouble than I'm doing good. So just keep, you know, keep that idea in your head that whatever you get, you're going to have to basically read the label. So let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Oh, Hi. I was given an amaryllis uh, at Christmas time, and now that all the other greenery is gone, I'm seeing that the bulb is covered in like a wax, and I don't know what to do with it. I'd like to, you know, put it in a pot. Well, definitely the the bulb. How did it actually come if it wasn't in a pot? It has a metal uh, prong that's inserted into the base of the bulb and it, there's a circle so it stands upright but then the pot itself was uh or the planter was covered with christmas greenery and bows and stuff whoa so i have this this bulb now yeah hopefully <laughs> this you know the penetration was something that stuck you know a hole into the you know the amaryllis bulb that's not a good sign so, but what you can do is just go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have an amaryllis, you want to get a relatively small plastic pot, about, you know, probably four inches at the, you don't need to get anything any bigger than that, and then just put potting mix in there, make sure mm-hmm. it's potting mix, and then put it in a sunny window, and you should start to see some green foliage come out. Yeah, it's already peeking up little green leaves. Right. But should I peel off this wax or what should I do with this waxy coating on it? I would just leave it alone because if it's on the bulb, that's not going to really impact where the foliage is coming out because you can see where the foliage is coming out of the top of it. And my only concern, again, is if it was pierced and it has a hole in it, then that's a potential rotting circumstance. So that is not the best thing that could have happened. But unfortunately, it was, it did. And just what you can do is if you want to, just you've already pulled a spear out of it, right? I'm assuming. Uh, The thing that was sticking it? No, I I haven't tried to pull it out yet. Pull it out and then let the bulb just sit for a couple weeks and, and let that spot try to heal itself before you um, even plant it. Well, how how would the bulb ever get moisture? It doesn't need moisture right now. You're trying to let this wound from it getting stabbed by something heal. So you don't need moisture in that circumstance. So okay. just, just kind of leave it alone for one or two weeks. Then, you know, get get that four-inch pot, like I said, with potting mix then, you know, put it in the pot with the top of the, the amaryllis bulb, the top, let's say, half inch or so above the potting mix, and then put it in a sunny window and just kind of leave it alone, and then the foliage should start emerging. Okay. I can do that. 
And then when the foliage starts, it's going to elongate. The foliage will ultimately end up about uh, any place between 8 to 12 inches. Just leave it alone. Let that foliage stay until next September or so. And then at that time, you're going to take action to try to trigger the the flowering cycle again. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the information. Sure. So, again, let that wound heal. So get that spear or whatever is hole, you know, poked a hole in it. And hopefully it's not a hole. But if it is, just even if it isn't, just let the bulb dry and uh, for a week or two. Okay. Okay, right now it's still got buds on it. And... So it's still flowering? Yes. Oh, well, then don't do any of this until it finishes flowering. Then cut that flower stalk off. I misunderstood that. Okay. Okay, thank you. I'll I'll do that. Right. The petals will start shrinking and then as soon as that starts, you know, shriveling and as soon as that starts happening, just cut the flower stalk off down cl- about a let's say a quarter or a half inch above the bulb. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye. See you. And now let's head over from Linda's yard over to Bunny's. Hi, Bunny. Hi, Mike. Um, I like to plant uh, seeds in the spring, especially zinnias. But the foliage always gets really bad, like it's dead. The flowers always bloom and they're pretty, but what causes the foliage to look so bad? It's basically our humidity. A lot of times... They will, you know, I mean, they can turn brown, but a lot of times they get powdery mildew on them, which is kind of a white coating on them. And it's just one of those inherent problems that zinnias have in our part of the country. Oh, I see. So nothing, I could use anything on it. No, you're really not going to stop that. Okay. I just love to plant to see it to watch them grow. Right. No, I mean, they're great. My brother yeah. has been planting some zinnias from plants that he's had originally a long time ago, and he just gathers the seed at the end of the season and holds it through the wintertime and then plants it out again in the following springtime. Really? Yes. Oh, I might try that. That sounds really neat. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And we do... Have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As you head out and start looking around in your yard and your lawn and everything else, those cool season annual weeds are still there. And uh, more and more, especially the the chickweed, it's got small, let's say a little bit less than the size of a dime, round round foliage, not round, round, but I guess disc shape, and uh, it's really rampant right now. Other things that are going to be out there, there's going to be some henbit, and that's in the same family as mint. So if you see something you don't know exactly what it is, just reach down and feel the stem, and if the stem is square, then it is in the mint family, and that means it's probably henbit, and that, again, is another cool season annual weed. There's several other types that are going to be out there, so you can either go ahead and use an herbicide, broadleaf weed killer on them. You can pull them or do whatever you want to, but get them under control because they're continuing to drop seed 
And that seed is just going to lay there until next August, and then it's going to start germinating again. That's when you'd be you know, putting out a pre-emergent if you wanted to kill it off that way. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get ready for women's Billikens basketball action tonight as they take on Fordham. Pre-game 647, tip at 7. Hear it here on your home for Billikens basketball. KMOX. Yes, folks, the last few days of January, so winter's almost over. Well, not truly, but still, things are going to start. The days are going to elongate more time. That's going to basically the soil temperatures are going to warm up as a result of that. And then we're going to start to see some of the buds swelling. So just keep an eye out in your landscape for anything at all that might be questionable. And then what you could do, you can always call the garden hotline. Or if you have something, you know, a particular branch, you can always take it to your favorite garden center and let them take a look at it. And if it's whether it's a branch of a deciduous tree or broadleaf evergreen that you're just concerned about spotting or anything else, find out what's going on because getting things taken care of early on is just like with anything. Get it taken care of early on. You prevent, you know, major type of damage. So just kind of keep that in mind. This is a time of year, too, where you can do still some deep root feeding on your trees, your deciduous trees or your evergreen trees. And that's where you auger holes around the, you know, a circumstance or a, a circumstance, a circular, let's say, a series of holes around the tree all the way from about halfway out from the dr- uh, trunk to the drip line, auger these holes and then backfill them with compost so you still got an opportunity or a time to do that because of the temperature. Once we get beyond that, then it's probably not advisable to do that. But uh, just realize it's a good thing to do because you're not feeding the plants necessarily. What you're doing is feeding the soil, and the soil is what is crucial for good plant growth, healthy plant growth. So that's what is really extremely important. So if you do have any questions, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Other things that you need to be thinking about as the days are, you know, as I said before, getting longer. I notice in my landscape, I've got quite a few bulbs planted that I got from Brightside St. Louis over the years, and I'm starting to see some of the bulb foliage coming up. This is areas between my driveway and where the garage is and everything else. And the foliage is probably about uh, two inches. This is a time, too, also that you can think about. Now, it's going to be kind of cold for the next few days, so I'm not going to do it then. But as soon as you start to see spring flowering bulb foliage showing, then that's a good time to go ahead and give them a fertilizing. And I like to use a fertilizer that's a powder that you mix in water and then you can just pour it right onto it. So that is, you know, something to keep in mind that you can do that will help sort of like keep your bulbs healthy as long as they possibly can. Let's head over to Ellen's yard. Hi, Ellen. Oh, Eileen, sorry. Hi, I'm sorry. When I first turned you on, I heard you talking about the molds. I got them infected again, and two years ago I paid 
somebody to come take care of them. They're all over my front yard. What did you recommend doing? Basically, I mean, setting the traps or this gentleman that called what he has, he went to his favorite garden center and he got this product that you can inject into the mold tunnels where the act, where they're active. And what it is, is it sort of gives them, it fools the moles. They think it's an earthworm, so they go ahead and eat it. And then consequently, it's poisonous, and that kills them. And what was the name of this? I don't know specifically what you know product he had. So just go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you want you know uh, uh, an injection to go into a mole tunnel. Yeah, because I have MSD put big sewers in my backyard. I've got a big yard in the backyard in the front. And I mean, I paid a lot of money two years ago to get supposedly them gone. They're all back again. <laughs> Well, I mean, if... Okay, so I'll just go to the garden center and ask them. Yeah, exactly. That's the best thing I called do. MSD, and they said, that's part of having the sewer. Sorry. <laughs> they literally said that to me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you can go to the big box stores, but you're not going to no. find good staff. <laughs> go to a year-round garden center. That's going to be a better place to go. Where's one in North County? Um, I would say you might have to go into St. Charles. I don't know the North yeah. County. okay. Like for Sella's Nursery and Defiance, that's, they're a good you Okay, know, good because nursery. two out here in Lindbergh closed. Right. The nurseries are gone. The garden centers are gone. Right. That's happened quite a bit in that particular area. Yeah, so, all right, so I'll go to St. Charles, Defiance. All right. Like I said, and MSC just sort of said, well, that comes with the sewers. <laughs> I don't think moles come with sewers, but... Uh, I didn't think so either, but... <laughs> if they're bringing moles in with the sewer lines, that's a little scary. <laughs> well, these are these huge drains, um, storm sewer things and backyards. And, right. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? You wouldn't believe the animals I have in my backyard. Well... <laughs> okay. Well, just, you know, good luck with it, and it's going to, you know... Just realize that you've got to, anything you do, whether you're using the traps or whether you're using the injection or anything else, it's got to be in an active tunnel area or it doesn't do any good. I can't use the traps because, again, I'm on a corner house. The school bus stops here. People stop here with picking kids up, dropping oh. kids off. So I can't do anything like that in the front yard. Yeah, I mean, what do I'm you not ca- even allowed a fence in the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> What you, I mean, potentially you could just turn a bucket upside down over them, but that would probably just be something that would intra- attract the kids to it. And they... Exactly. Give them something to play with in the yard. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're pretty good, but, you know, still and all. Right. If not, and then we have parents lined all the way up the street waiting for the school bus. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, no. <laughs> and the moles are having a great time. They think this is funny. I swear they do. Well, I guess, uh, you know, all this digging and stuff forced the earthworms to the areas that weren't di- weren't disturbed, and that's what they're there for because I'm assuming everybody in your neighborhood had the, you know, had the MSD stuff done? Well, in my yard. Oh, just in your yard. Yeah, I've got the big storm sewer in my backyard. My uh, yard, I mean, I'm in the city of St. John. Okay. So, I mean, it's that's where they put it. That's what it is. So people, my yard's like two hundred foot long. Right. So there's just some of the spend then the rest of it. No. So then everybody else's yard kind of drains down towards yours. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm really surprised you got nice. a lot of mole activity because the moles should be going other places that weren't disturbed. But you never. No, they're know. in the front yard. Right. Okay. They're not in my backyard while that was done. Right. So what they were driven from the backyard, if they were there, into the front yard where it wasn't disturbed. Yeah, because the backyard, nothing was going on back there. It's 150 feet. You know, I used to cut the grass, and that that's it. Right. The garage is in the basement. You know, there's nothing back there. So I think they were having a great time till Absolutely. the storm sewer got in. <laughs> but, okay, well, thank you. I will go. Um, I'll go to St. Charles. Because, yep. like I said, our two garden centers closed. Right. Okay, thank you, and I appreciate your program. Don't stop. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. And now let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hello. Hi. I, I, I was listening uh, when you talked to the woman who had the emeralds on a, uh, a base with a wire. Right. Well, I, I had one of those. Uh, someone gave me one a couple of years ago, and uh, the uh, the bulb won't grow because the roots have been cut off of it. Well, generally, when you get an amaryllis, you're not going to have roots. So that's well, why they, you, these have been cut off. So I could see where they, they'd cut them off. Right. I guess they want to sell you a new one every year <laughs> because <laughs> it wouldn't grow. I, I tried to to grow it, but uh, no roots came out on it because the roots had been cut off, and this wire thing had been put in there to to uh, hold it, and there, there was no uh, no uh, uh, soil with it with the plant. It just had a a a, 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 a pot with that wire thing holding the bulb up. I'm surprised that no new root growth happened, even if they'd all been cut off, because you can go certain places and buy amaryllis bulbs that are not potted up or anything else, and they just look like a baseball. I mean, they're round all the way around. I mean, you can tell what the where the top is, but they still, by potting them up, usually in a potting mix and you know setting them in a you know a nice sunny location. The roots will emerge, and then the foliage will emerge as well. So I'm surprised you didn't have any luck with that happening. No, I, I could see where they'd uh, taken a knife and cut the roots all off. So right. I, and no new ones came out. So that's, that must be uh, the uh, method this company uses. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so not... I just wanted to clear that up because I don't think the woman will have any, any uh, luck with it. The roots have been cut off. Okay. You know? well, that was my experience with that. Now, I've gotten other times. And, uh, you know, they they have the roots on, and uh, you could keep them for any number of years. To right. Outside in the summertime. So. But uh, I just thought I'd mention that in case that's, that might be the case. Okay. Well, thanks, John. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. I always listen. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Yes. I was calling to uh, ask, what's a good time for me to trim my smoke bush? Uh, basically, you're, uh, is this one that has a purple foliage, or is it a green one, or does it, it doesn't the really purple, matter? The, the purple foliage. Yeah. Uh, anytime before the new growth begins, you can go ahead and prune them because they're, ba- uh-huh. you know, they're really – don't cut them back too far because if you cut them back too far, then the buds that are along the stem that remain – may be dysfunctional. So, you know, don't cut any more than 20% off and get it done before, let's say, uh, mid-March or so. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Gwen's yard. Hi, Gwen. Hi. 
Um, I'm calling about the lady that was had the mold problem. Uh huh. What I found out, you go online. There's a, a mixture that you can make up of cayenne, garlic powder, um, chili powder, and onion powder, and mix it in with water, and you run it, put it down in poke, poke holes in the run in the runners. And pour it down there, and it runs them off. Because that's what I did for mine. Really? Mm-hmm. So the, I guess the smell, because they're certainly not going to taste it, and it's not going to poison them. So no, that's but what, it runs them off. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for the insight. You find that she'll have to go online to find the exact portion. But as I said, I've done it two years in a row, and I run them off. <laughs> Maybe you should start a business. No, 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 no. It's just an apartment. But I put worms, put up some fresh dirt down, some fighting soil and stuff, because I was trying to grow um, lavender and stuff. And then I went and got some worms because I figured, oh, they this soil needs worms. And the mole said, oh, thank you for the dinner. It's like, no, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to go ahead and tell you that. Well, great. Well, thank you. Have a good day. Yep. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I said before, make sure that you're out, you know, like today is pretty good. It's going to be up in the 50s. So take a wander around and look for any of these kind of potentially weed problems because it's going to be really trouble over and over and over again. Not only the perennial weeds are going to be problematic because they're coming back from the root system, but the the cool season annual weeds will keep going until about oh, May or so, and then they're just going to disappear. And you'll think, okay, that took care of them. But they are continuing to drop those seeds, and those seeds will just lay there forever. Also realize that as these temperatures get warmer, then the insect activity is going to increase. And that's why I keep talking about this is an opportunity or a time where you can still spray the dormant oil. And the dormant oil, what it is, is a horticultural oil that actually suffocates the insects pretty much at every you know, life stage that they have, everything from eggs to adults. So that's, you know, an a pupa or anything else. But if, when the temperature gets warmer and the buds start opening, if you spray dormant oil, that's really troubled for those buds. So keep that in mind. There is a lightweight you know, horticultural oil to spray that will do the suffocation once the buds start opening up. But right now, they're still pretty tight, and you can use it pretty easy. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just got the tail end of this mole treatment, and I have moles like you wouldn't believe. I have them in the front yard, the backyard, and there's also exit holes, it looks like, um, on some of the tunnels, especially like in the summer where they just look like they leave. They go out. <laughs> well, they're just... Um, they're terrible, and they are still active. Not as bad as in the summer, but still I'm amazed at the... Earth that's been moved up all over the yard by the moles. It makes it hard to mow the lawn, too. Right. Yeah, those piles of dirt are just definitely from the tunnel activity. They have a series of two tunnels. The tunnel at the surface, that's the one where they're looking for something to eat. 
Then they have one right. that goes below that that takes them back to their sleeping den area. And, you know, when it's, the weather's really cold or there's really not much activity as far as insects, you know, consequently, then they just kind of go back there and take a nap. And then the females this time of year, are it's getting really soon where they're going to start having, you know, babies. And then the activity is right. going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hesitant to use the worms because I have cats that go outside and I'm afraid if they find them all and they may eat it, you know, then they would be poisoned by the worms too, probably. Well, I guess that's, you know, that's a potential problem, but the cats are not digging down into the mole tunnels, are they? Well, that No, they're not. That's well, true. They're not. I did have one cat I used to feed who was an outside cat. I didn't have a mole problem. He loved to kill moles. I don't know how he got them, but wow. um, I always saw little dead moles around my property. You're kidding. No, it was great. <laughs> I wish I had him back. Believe me, they've been flourishing. But um, what was the powder that that lady said she used? It was a whole mixture of different types of, you know, cayenne peppers and this is and that's. And she said, go online. You can, you know, to find out the exact amount and the exact, you know, I guess oh, okay. product. Okay, I might check that out because yeah. they are definitely driving me crazy, and they are in my front and <laughs> the back, and they're everywhere. And, and I tried to um, flush them out last year. I I put water down in the tunnel, and that didn't really work. They no. just went to another part of the yard. Yeah, exactly. That's you can't flood them out really, and it, you must yeah. the yeah. people that are having the mold problems. They must have a pretty good yard because again, without earthworms, the moles are not going to be there. People say grub right. control gets rid of moles. No, they just only eat grubs if they happen to stumble across one as they're tunneling around after the earthworms. But their main diet is earthworms and grubs. Grub control does not really get rid of moles either. Right, right. Okay. Um, and I have one other question. I called about this before and I haven't really done anything about it, but I had a little bit of gas left in my lawnmower and I didn't really run it out of the mower. Um, and I don't think it had fuel stabilizer in it. So on warm days like today, if I can get it started, is that okay to do, to start it and everything? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because and, and yeah, I'm assuming well, it's in your garage. People... You know, if it's sitting in the garage, too, I mean, condensation due to moisture changes or moisture creation because of the temperature changing in your garage and things like that, that's why you want to get that out of there. And then you can put just brand-new you know, pure, let's say pure gasoline in it. Right, right. But it's okay to to run out the gas that's already in it? Yes. That's okay. And I don't have to add fuel stabilizer to it or anything? It doesn't no. have much. It's just a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, just go ahead and run it, you know, and then, uh, you know, basically what I, you know, I've, I'm still using my mower and people think I'm crazy because they see me out there and I have Zoys lawn, which is totally brown now. And I'm cutting uh -huh. my zoysia. But what I'm doing also is we live across a street from Christie Park, and the wind blows the leaves from the park into our yard. So I'm basically bagging up all the leaves with the mower rather than uh -oh. raking because I get a little tired. My my wrists and everything get a little tired of raking. So it's just right. much easier to push a mower. And then I chop up all of the stuff, and then I take it to uh, – the yard waste dumpsters. 
Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. Okay, all right. Is it okay if I if I do leave it a little bit longer and wait till we really start getting maybe a at least a solid half week or week of warmer weather and then start it up? Sure. It's not going to make it's that much difference. <laughs> okay, great. It's in a shed, so it's a, it's protected. So yeah. great. Okay, all right. Well, thanks for the information. I listen every Saturday, and I love the show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. As you know, if you weren't <laughs> okay, there, I would you. not be here. Thank you very much. And uh, let's see, we got one more call. We're going to try to get them in before we go to break. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. So, James is talking to her. And uh, let's see, who is who are we looking at? Dottie. Hi, Dottie. Hi, good morning. Hi. This is Dottie in Chesterfield, yeah, dealing with 
Hi. Dealing with, I'm going to shut the radio off. Okay. Dealing with uh, moles. Yeah. Oh, we've got a lot of moles. A lot. And um, when I had my Jack Russell Terriers, oh, no moles. No moles. So my suggestion is (laughs) buy a Jack Russell Terrier. They're wonderful pets, and they're small dogs and really smart. They will take care of your moles. Jack (laughs) Russell Terriers. They'll listen and listen, cock their head. Then they'll dig and dig and dig and dig, and then they'll bring them up and shake them, and it's dead. So I had mole control with uh, lemonade and latte, my Jack Russells. Wow, that sounds great. Well, thanks for the insight there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, there's a, you know, certain dogs will certainly go after them. There's no getting around it, and... Uh, Sounds like Jack Russell Terriers. I had larger dogs myself. I can't honestly say uh, this is when I was living in Webster, and uh, my dogs were not, they didn't dig after the moles at all. So anyway, but if you do have any questions or concerns, we got another hour of the show, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the KMOX Garden Hotline second hour. And that means the tip of the trowel, which is a special recognition of individual group or situation that's made an impression on me this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your plant world, why not give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and then we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions can range from making a plant selection or caring for or what should be done in the peak season or the humdrum times of the year with your annuals, with your spring, summer bulbs, with your herbs, vegetables, or fruit trees? How about your evergreen or herbaceous type ground covers, your perennials, cascading down house plants, uh, cool or warm season lawns, shrubs or classic roses? Oh, boy, oh, boy, there's so much stuff potentially you can grow outside. And uh, conifers, deciduous trees, annuals, perennials, vines, water gardens, and uh, your fountains, too, as well. Or how about your koi? And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that you can take to achieve your desired results, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player in this game is James. He answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else, So when you call, all he needs is your first name, and then he'll put you up on the computer screen, and then I will talk to you in the order that you called. And uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and besides, on Saturday morning during our get-together, I can come to your plant world and on-site consultation, which is a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. And on the homepage is going to be my email address and phone number. The tip of the trowel is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. And the tip of the trowel today goes out to, again, 
There's so many people that are doing really nice work in their yards. I walk through the neighborhoods a lot, and, uh, I mean, I'm just amazed at really nice landscapes. And it doesn't mean they're spectacular this time of year by any means, but I can tell that they're really conscientious with what they're doing, how they're taking care of the the plant material that they have. And uh, so a tip of the trial goes out to all the homeowners that – and I know that for the most part, it's people doing the work themselves. Yes, there are landscape contractors that do some work. There's no getting around it. And they're fine. They're great, too. But the homeowners with the selection of plant materials, sometimes they've inherited plant materials that weren't, not, that weren't necessarily the best plant materials to have, but they're working with them. And then sometimes you just have to take you know certain things out. I've had to do that when we moved from Soulard to South City, there was a couple plants that were just in the wrong place, and uh, so I had to take them out. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing with the plant world. Everything, nothing is permanent. <laughs> so tip of the trial to all the homeowners working in their yards. Greatly appreciate it. Let's go ahead and take a couple calls before we take a break. Let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. This is your... No old neighbor in Soulard, yes. Steve Katsinas. Right. Hey, so listen, um, I got this um, China Girl Holly that um, I planted probably about 25 years ago in our backyard. And I have since uh, manicured that bush that I got when it was about three foot tall and it's now a two story tree <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> and it's spectacular, um, particularly this time of year when it's full of red berries. Right. And I'm really worried about the tree right now because after we had that, you know, extreme cold over Christmas, um, I've got holly leaf scorch going on and literally I can see from looking out of the second story of the of the house, the second the bedroom in the back, is like about a third of the leaves have dropped off the tree uh, on the top half, and all of the stuff in the middle. And where I when I noticed it was, you know, right after the cold, you know, holly leaves lose their holly hollies will drop their old leaves, you know, usually in the spring. Right. Um, but they all fell off the tree and are all green. And then, you know, it's just like totally bare on the top. And I'm really worried that the tree may have been permanently damaged in the cold. But, or, you know, are those leaves going to come back? I mean, what's this thing going to look like now? Well, it's it's a little bit hard to say. So there's not really too much you can do as far as you can't take a cutting of the uh, of a branch and bring it inside to see if the, any of the buds are still functional. Uh, if there's still flexibility in the stems or the you know the branches or whatever, then that means that branch didn't get killed off. It was only the sort of the aesthetic value of being lost because the foliage dropped. So it's just going to be a matter of waiting until we get to you know probably early mid April or something like that. If there's if the where the foliage has fallen off, if those if there's still functional buds there. It should be pushing out the foliage by then at the earliest and then by mid-June at the latest. And if you don't see any kind of new foliage coming off in those particular areas by mid-June, then I would say you should go ahead and just cut those you know, branches off. 
Okay, because, it, it, you know, I didn't know how far back on the stem the leaves, the new leaves are going to push out. Right. They should go all the way to the end. It should replace, you know, if the branches or the twig is still functional, it should still be able to push out new foliage throughout the entire length. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's, that's the key. What you just said right there. I was just, you know, some, I haven't paid close attention and I didn't know, you know, how long, you know, if the if the leaves are only going to come out on the new growth or the new end of the of the tips of the um, the stems and all of that. So, okay. Well, I just figured I was going to have to wait and see, but I mean, it just it's really sad. It looks terrible, and I've seen a couple <laughs> of other holly bushes around the neighborhood. Right. You know where they all look the same right now, and I know it was just the way the wind blew around. Yes. And the sub-zero temperatures with the wind chills is what killed everything. Absolutely. All the broadleaf evergreens just took a beating unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. Always, yes. Steve lived right across, kind of diagonal from where Tracy and I lived in Soulard. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. We've had a lot of questions about moles today. And just realize, you can get rid of the moles in your yard. But if you have a nice yard, again, and you, that means you've got earthworms, other moles are going to be attracted towards your yard. So it's an ongoing battle. There's no getting around it. Let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? Very good. Good. Hey, um, I had a couple questions. At the beginning of the show, you talked about um, putting boreholes around trees and dropping in uh, compost and Correct. all of that. And um, I had a question. I have a... Um, a back or a tractor with a post hole digger, and a I think it's about a four or six inch bit. If I were to use that and fill the hole, would that be a good way to do that, or is that too big, too much? How deep do I go? That kind of thing. Well, you're only going to go down about six inches because basically the feeder roots you know, of the tree are near the surface. And again, you're not feeding the tree, you're feeding the soil. So you could, you know, go with your, it seems like that bit would be a little bit big, but you could do it. But uh, generally when you're using the earth auger, it's about a one inch in diameter, you know, auger bit. And you put those holes about uh, two feet apart and uh, I should do the circle around the tree, and then you go out another two feet and another circle. But I'd probably do. I would. I would be a little bit concerned about using you know a bit the size you're talking about. Okay. Well, I'll see if they make smaller ones too. And I'm just. I I like simple if I can do it. Um, anyway, <laughs> I understand. Uh, and you got the equipment. But, yeah. Yeah. And I got. I got the equipment, and I get to be lazy, okay? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the second question I had is um, I, I, uh, you and I have talked about moving cedars in my property, and I've just not been able to get to the point where I was ready to do that. But I'm, I'm hoping to get to there this spring. 
And one of the things that I'm thinking about doing, and I wanted your opinion on it. Oh, I've, and I actually, I want to go back to the other question quickly. I have wood mulch that that I pick up, and it's it's free from one of the one of the places out here. I was wondering if I could mix that with dirt and put it in the holes we just talked about. No, is that raw wood like that that hasn't been composted actually binds up nutrients and causes more problems than it's going to do good. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Okay, so the, the to the, my second question, what I was considering doing, this is down along a lake and near a fence that I need to restore some uh, some uh, boundary trees. And what I was going to do is take a backhoe and dig a trench along there and just um, get the compost and the dirt and everything and drop. I, I moved some, that one that was like 8 foot and another that was 10 foot, and they seemed to be doing so-so. So I think I'm going to drop down to like a four, all 4 foot trees and just put these in the trench, use some uh, root stimulator and stuff like that and just cover them up with the mulch dirt and then keep them watered and do all that stuff is is that and and i'll also tie them so that they don't get blown over by the wind is that something that sounds like it might work it may work just make sure you don't plant them too deep because it sounds like you're going to be digging a hole that's fairly deep and then consequently even though you're putting you know let's say, good organic materials back in there for them to grow into. If there's any kind of settling, consequently, then that means there's going to be water puddling around this, these transplants, and that's going to be, you know, to the detriment of the work you've done. Okay. Yeah, what I was going to try to do is use the backhoe and dig the trench just deep enough, and then maybe if I, if I need to raise one of them up, put something under it to raise it up, if I got different root sizes um, or hand dig it, you know, a little deeper, a little, all that. Right. Um, but do, like you said, make sure that the root ball is slightly above grade. Right. And then ma- manage the water around it that runs down the, along the shore. That's exactly right. Okay. So just, and then keep, when would I start fertilizing those with the spikes and stuff? Uh, I would say... Not for a couple years because the root system is not going to be developed enough and the the tree spikes are not really all that functional. Again, if you've got good quality soil, you really don't need to do additional fertilizing. Let the soil yeah. feed the, you know, the, the transplants as opposed to you just adding this organic material because the the tree spikes... I mean, you could, I mean, people do use them and, you know, they've been very satisfied with them. So what I would probably do is try a a couple in two years or so, try a couple trees with the tree spikes and then have a couple trees that you didn't do the tree spikes and see what the difference is. Ooh, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah, these are are replacing about 30-foot tall cedars that a neighbor cut down um, and I I need to replace them because they won't Um, and so I'm I'm just growing a new wall anyway Anyway, I appreciate all your advice Mike hey have a great Saturday you do the very same thing now let's head over to Bill's yard hi Bill hi Mike how are you today very good hi Mike yes yeah I uh 
have been saving all my, uh, as they used to say, the old people used to say all my rinds, but I think it's called peelings now. Uh, and I've been throwing them in a, a compost pile that is kind of laying dormant right now. How can I jazz it up when it starts getting warmer weather? Just keep turning it. Rotate it. That's the best thing okay. you can do. Okay. Also, I want to, also the raccoons have been getting in it to pick out what they want, so I've been feeding them too. So, so just just make a and then in the spring just make it into a regular compost pile. Right, exactly. But just keep okay. rotating. You know, anything that you're adding, rotate it in with you know the existing stuff. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And now let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. I have a question. Um, I have two golden unanimous bushes, and last year they were beautiful. They were full, and they had the green and yellow foliage. And yesterday, since it got warm, I went outside to look at some of my landscaping plants, and I couldn't believe it. All the leaves, except for about 30, were laying on the ground underneath it. Right. And the leaves that were still on it almost looked like it had a black mold on the leaves. I mean, it's just bare now. Will they come back? Well, it's going to be, you know, we've had a couple calls about some broadleaf evergreens, you know, be it uh, a laurel. That was in the first hour. And the starting of the second hour was about hollies. All the broadleaf evergreens just took a brutal beating early when we had that cold snap way early in the season. And so it's just going to be a kind of a hit and miss type thing if they're going to be able to leaf out. You can go out and just take a couple of the twigs and kind of move your move them around with your fingers and see if they're still flexible. If they're still flexible and they still look like where the you know on the stems or the twigs, there's a bud there, then they could leaf out. But we, I mean, there's no guarantee until we, you know, until the weather starts triggering the new growth for them to, you know, potentially fill in. So there's no way to know. I mean, you could take a cutting and try to bring it inside and put it in a, let's say, a vase of water or a bowl of water or whatever and see if there's any kind of expansion of any of the buds. But I would say don't bother with that because it's not going to make much difference. Yeah. Oh, I, I look at them now, and it's so sad to I know. see what they look like right. and not, not what they look like. Right. So, okay, keep my fingers crossed. Yep. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Sure. Bye. My pleasure. Yeah, you and every all the broadleaf evergreen growers, I mean, every neighborhood has a lot of broadleaf evergreens, and I mean, I have not, as I go walking around all over the place, I've not seen any you know, and I don't go into people's backyards or anything like that, unless, of course, you have me over for a walking talk. But besides that, any that have been out, I mean, they have all received some damage by that early cold spell. Let's head over to Sharon's yard now. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Hi. Um, I have an azalea bush, and it has something like lichen growing all over the stems. But it is still uh, blooming in the spring, so I wondered what I can do about that if I need to. No, if it's regular old lichen, that just means it's in this particular situation where the lichen was able to establish itself, and it doesn't really impact 
the azalea or really anything at all, whether it's a trunk of trees or anything. So I would say just uh, that's part of the whole deal of, you know, having this particular plant in that location. Okay, thanks. And the other thing is I have a azalea, no, wait, hydrangea. (laughs) Um, It's about three feet tall. And I think I have it planted in the wrong place because it gets a lot of morning sun and it wilts. And then when the shade comes around, it perks up again. And I wondered if I could move that. It's a, it's been, it's about three feet tall. It's pretty old. So I didn't know if I should move it someplace else. If it's, you know, if it perks back up, if it's just with the heat or the intensity of the sun, early in the morning, and it wilts as a result of that. That just means the root system hasn't really got well established. Okay. So, I mean, it's not as long as it, again, the leaves get rigid by the end of the, you know, later on in the day, then that's just how it is. So this particular plant, it might have been pot-bound when you bought it and you put it in the ground and you didn't, you know, let's say tease the root system apart a little bit to encourage some new growth. But if it's, you know, as you said, it was three years old. Yeah. Yeah. So if it hasn't been able to sort of get enough root system to prevent that wilting down, then that just means the root ball is probably still the same exact size and shape as it was when you bought it. Okay. The other thing is I wondered if I should trim it. Uh, You know, it's pretty tall. I didn't know if I was supposed to cut it back or not. Well, if it's only three feet tall, that's not very tall. Okay. So I, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's lots of different hydrangeas. So depending upon the variety, does it flower? Yes. Okay. And is it flower in the springtime or in the summertime? In the summer. Okay. So it's probably, you know, it's one of those summer, obviously a summer bloomer. But uh, I would say just, you know, kind of live with it as it is. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We do have phone lines open, 314. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread. 
who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'm Dakota Hudson. I'm Jordan Hicks. I'm Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty. I'm Tommy Edmonds. I'm Cardinals outfielder Jordan Walker. I'm Paul Dion. I'm Woodson Contreras. I'm Adam Wainwright. And you're listening to the voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. Yes, we're heading back to the phones, and let's head over to John Jard. Hi, John. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Mike, uh, we have a burning bush that needs to be trimmed. It's about seven foot tall. Can you tell my wife, Jeannie, when she should do this and how one correctly trims this tree? Well, you can selectively just do, you know, with a pruner, one, let's say, branch at a time if you want to do it that way. But they're tough enough that you can actually use a hedge trimmer if you want. But don't take uh-huh. any more of uh, than about twenty percent of the height off at one time. So it's you know twenty percent off of seven feet. You're, you're going to take about a foot, eighteen inches or so. That's the maximum, and you want to do it before any kind of new growth is visible. So probably within a month. Right. Okay, great. Hey, I have a second question, a little off the garden path, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Uh, how, how much credence do you have in Puscatani Phil? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, Mike, you have a good day. Thanks. Sure, you too. And now let's head over to another John Jard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. I have uh, two ponytail palms, and they are in a pot about seven inches. Uh, One is four-and-a-half-inch plant uh, wide, and the other is three-and-a-half-inch, and and he's in a a five-and-a-half-inch pot. Are they too root-bound? In other words, should I transplant them to a larger pot? No, leave them alone. They are tough enough that they can handle it until, I mean, I guess you've had them for an extended period of time, but uh, they really don't want to be planted in, you know, a larger pot. They're going to do much better health-wise and everything else. Just leave them where they are. Fantastic. I thank you very much. Yeah, and obviously you know how to take care of them because they don't want a whole lot of water. That could be the worst thing that you can do is overwatering them. What would you think, uh Twice a week? No, that's way too much. Oh, I guess I am overwatering them. Okay. Well, I mean, if they're if you've uh, had them for week. if you've had them for a while and they're still successful, stick with it. But generally, that seems like too much water. Okay, so once a week would be good. Yes. 
just a little around the edge. Okay. Right, exactly. And you Perfect. Know, bright sun. Thank you, Mike. Okay, thank you. And now let's head over from John's yard to Tony's. Hi, Tony. Hi, Mike. Hi. I got a area in South County that's about 20 feet wide by 100 feet long that has been overgrown for many years. And there is a lot of poison ivy in there in the uh, growing with vines and under the trees. Is there anything natural that I can plant to get rid of that poison ivy? No. <laughs> <laughs> There really isn't. There's nothing that can overgrow poison ivy, especially a well-established poison ivy stand, which this sounds like it is. But no, there's nothing that you can do at all other than physically getting rid of it, either with an you know an herbicide like the Roundup for killing woody plant material. Regular Roundup won't even kill it, and you you want to make sure that what you know, or you can obviously dig it out. But that is a huge amount of effort. Again, with this situation that you've described, the root system is going to be extensive throughout the entire area. Nothing. Would the Roundup damage the trees that are already established there? That Roundup would only, only does damage if you spray it onto the foliage of stuff. That's how it's absorbed. So it doesn't go down and it deactivates when it hits the soil. So the other plant material... Is, is should not be impacted by it. Great. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And again, it's got to be Roundup for killing woody plants. Regular Roundup will not work. Perfect. Thanks again for the show. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Leslie's. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mike. I appreciate your show. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> I have rose bushes. I probably got about seven of them, and they're in different areas of my yard. Uh, in the spring, they come out. They're beautiful. They're popping with roses. They're big roses. They're, you know, all depends on because they're all different kinds of bushes. By late spring, early <clears throat> summer, something is eating my leaves. I can't physically see anything. Uh, so it's not Japanese beetles or anything, but my leaves look like lace. And they just tear the plant apart. Yeah, it might It'll be. still produce produce roses, but the leaves are just trash. Yeah, it might be thrips. So what you need to do is go, you know, go to your favorite garden center, tell, explain to them what you have, and then when mm-hmm. they give you the insecticide, spray the underside of the leaf and spray the stems. Stems, okay. I was afraid because it's been going on some years, and, it, and they're, they're beautiful. Everybody's like, look at your roses. That's a short period of time that I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my roses. Right. So can you spell that for me? T- what you said, Thrips? Yeah. T-H-R-I-P-S. Okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing soapy water with a little bit of, like, vegetable oil on the bottoms of the leaves and the tops of the leaves. It seems to help a little bit. I've tried neem oil. I've tried everything. Yeah. And, tr- yeah, and tr- nothing, you know. I mean, you might try insecticidal oh, soap if you want to. But again, if you've tried all these other things, I'd go, you know, or go online, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and check it out and see what they're going to recommend for uh, the control. Sure. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Bill's. Hi, Bill. 
Yeah, uh, good morning, Mike. I want to thank you for your show. I have boxwood hedges, and they're about three and a half feet tall, and I'd like to cut them back to about a foot and a half. I realize I would lose the foliage, but is that okay, or is that too much? Or That's probably too much. They're going to really look ugly if you cut them halfway back like that. So. Well, I realize they would, they would lose their foliage, but I they're just getting to the point where they're so they're growing over the sidewalk part right. of it now, and it's just uh, I'd like to get them back to get them under control. Well, well how um, far can I safely cut them back? Probably no more than let's say you say they're three feet. I wouldn't cut any more. You could do it over a period of time. Cut them back, you know, uh, let's say four or six inches, and then wait for a year, and then cut them back another four or six inches. So, in other words, you're going to have to do it over an extended period extended of time. Extended period of time. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much, and you have a great show. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Well, thank you. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, realize that you might start seeing some fuzzy stuff in your lawn, and that could be a snow snow mold. You know, even though we haven't had that much snow, just from the humidity and everything else that wintertime presents. So just watch out for fungus problems in your lawn. If you start to see some fuzzy stuff on the blades of your grass, then I would say dig a small clump up, you know, three or four inches in diameter, and take it to your favorite garden center and let them diagnose what it is, and then recommend a fungicide if you do need one. Let's head over to Ann's yard now. Hi, Ann. Hello. Good Hi. morning. Um, the lady that called about the holes in her rose leaves, right. that's soft fly. That's soft fly. Soft fly? Okay. Yeah. The, it's, it's, I think it's a tiny wasp that lays eggs. They hatch. They're on the uh, underside of the rose leaves. They're little, tiny, maybe a pale green caterpillar, very tiny. Early in the season, you have to spray underneath the roses consistently. Once the damage is there, um, they they kind of go back into the ground, I think. But um, the damage is done in the early spring, and then it's it's just there for the season. Okay. And it's once they're there, they're there every year. So you can't control them? Well, neem oil, the lady said she used neem oil, and you, you could maybe, but you have to spray their bodies. You have to see them, right. and you have to spray them on the underside of the leaves. And it's, I mean, it's something you'd have to work on consistently throughout the week. Right. <laughs> it's kind of a pain, but they're there, and they do that damage, and they're there every year. Okay. Well, thank you. So it's soft, your recommendation, it's soft flies. I believe it's sawfly. I worked at a nursery. I was sort of the in-house rosarian for a few, quite a few years. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your insight. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, and also uh, there are systemic-type insecticides where you can actually add them to the ground. The rose or the plant will uptake that, and then if any insect feeds onto the, you know, onto the foliage, then that will kill them that way too. So, again, thank you very much for uh, the sort of the insight on the sawflies. Let's go now to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hello. Hello. Yes, go um, ahead. Yes. I have a beautiful gardenia in my sunroom. Um, it keeps getting new growth. It looks great. 
but it never blooms. That's kind of the problem with some of the gardenias just in general. So even though it's nice and healthy and everything else, are you fertilizing at all? Um, No, I haven't. You might try fertilizing. Get a fertilizer, uh, you know, for acid-loving plants because it is a broadleaf evergreen. And even though it can't grow outside here, I mean, there are parts of the country where it will grow outside, but it does need an acid-based fertilizer. Okay, okay. Well, I'll try that then. I yeah. appreciate your help. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to uh, Wayne's yard. Hi, Wayne. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for my call, giving taking my call. I'm I'm gonna live down in the country, and I've got lots of pecan shells. I've been picking out. I got lots of uh, uh, grinding chips from stumps and walnuts. Are they good for anything? For as uh, foliage or anything? Do you know? Uh, as far as adding to the ground, I mean, you're going to have to, like, basically compost them so they'll break down. Just, add, you know, I mean, you could use them as a mulch on top of the ground, but beyond that, uh, unless they're composted, they're not really going to help too much just to work them into the soil. Oh, work them into the soil. All, all three of those would work? Yeah, only if... chips from stumps and walnuts and pecans. Yeah, only if they've been composted, though. So don't just take the raw material and put it in the ground because that's going to be detrimental as opposed to helpful. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's go to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Yes, uh, I have a ginkgo tree, and it's about... About eight foot tall, but it seems to be splitting up at the top. The branches are splitting out. I'm trying to, I want to make it maybe more round and, you know, maybe more uniform. And I was wondering about when and how to trim. Really, with any kind of tree uh, other than the maples, the wintertime is a good time to prune. And also before the new, and wintertime before the new growth begins. So you want to get it done. You have probably up until maybe mid-March. Then they're, you know, then the buds are going to start opening up, and you don't want to prune right. it at that particular time. Okay, so like at the base of the tree, can I cut it all the way back to the to the trunk? Uh, so kind of up, you know, kind of up it so I can see underneath a little bit. Oh yeah, you can limit up if that's what you're okay. talking about. Yes, yes. So, but okay. if the branches are long, make sure that you cut them off in sections with the final cut leaving about a quarter inch stub or so. Oh, okay. That's fine. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And with this pruning this time, uh, or it's not just this time of year, but any kind of pruning anymore, I mean, a sealer or anything like that, don't bother with that. Days of old, the pruning sealers worked because they had lead in them. But when the Environmental Protection Agency, you know, said take the lead out of these type of products, then all it is is cosmetic. So the the wound is just there. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, because I don't want to lose this ginkgo tree. It uh, was given to my wife, so <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, unless you really are desperate to prune it, I would just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, I might even do that. It's just I was hoping to maybe trim up the top a little bit to to kind of gather the branches in a little bit. It's just it's kind of splitting at the top. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's kind of their natural habit is to be, you know, an open grower. So that's just. Okay. Okay. You're fighting All the right. genetics. Okay. Well, then um, then I won't worry about shaping it. Then I'll let her, let her go. 
Right. Sounds perfect. All right. Thanks a lot. Yep. My pleasure. Yeah. It's uh, it's too often, you know, we try to make things fit or conform to a shape that we like, and you're going kind of against uh, the genetics of the tree. It's sort of like back in the 60s when everybody had straight hair like the Beatles. I try to make my hair straight, and that did not work, and it was just a nightmare. (laughs) So don't bother doing that. But again, just kind of make sure that you walk and through your yard. We're getting up into the 50s today. We're going to get colder in the week. But, you know, just wander around and, you know, spend some time outside and just take a look at the plant material and see if you see anything that's out of the ordinary. Because, I mean, we've had a lot of mole, you know, mole calls and things like that. But there's a lot of different kinds of mammals, be it rabbits, be it voles, whatever, that do some damage to the plant material by chewing on the bark and the bark lower down on the tree. And bark is extremely important for any kind of woody plant material because right below where the bark is, that's where the veins are. That's where the nutrients are transported from the ground, from the root system up to where the foliage is or the new twigs or any kind of growth at all. So bark whether you're hitting it with a mower, whether a wildlife type thing is chewing on it or anything else, you got to make sure that the bark is. And if you have any kind of frayed bark due to any kind of, you know, let's say wildlife, any of the sheared stuff, any kind of the frayed stuff, cut that off. And what you want to do, that helps the cambium layer heal itself. So that's how it, a wound that happens will be healed, you know, doing it that way. So take a look around at all that kind of stuff. Also, as as uh, as I said before, as the weather is starting to get warmer, start watching out for, you know, some of the insects because some of them come out you know, earlier in the season, and then that's where, like, the damage can be done before you even realize what's going on. Uh Watch out for other things as well as far as we've, I've talked a couple times about the weeds in your, uh, in your landscape. And this is a good time of year to take a look around not only to see what the plant material is, but also to see what the, your existing plants. And if you're trying to think about putting in some new plants, make sure that the plants that you select can fit into that space because... A lot of times when I visit people's homes, whoever planted some specific plants really never planned for mature size or mature growth. And consequently, then there's real problems with, let's say, branches overhanging the house or root systems up, you know, let's say uplifting sidewalks or driveways or things like that. Or like the gentleman who called and his his boxwood was overgrowing the sidewalk and so if they would have pushed it back maybe another foot when they were originally planted, it wouldn't be problematic. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.